Welcome back to Pursuing Justice. I'm Harriet Hendel. Here's a question for my listeners. What city in the United States has been voted best city for street art? I'm going to let my guest answer that question in a moment. Today, we're talking to Jane Golden, who is founder and executive director of Mural Arts Philadelphia. Jane started this nonprofit 40 years ago, and thanks to her incredible leadership, the city boasts over 4,000 works of public art. Jane, it is so great to have you on my show. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much. It's it's wonderful to be here. So obviously, what's the answer to my question? Well, it's Philly. It's Philly. <laughs> Philly. <laughs> we have quite a robust collection of work. You must be very, very proud of USA Today's designation. What motivated you to choose the area of public art as opposed to any other aspect of art? Well, I think, you know, when I was in college, I was a double major, political science and fine art. I've always really loved art, but been really attracted to cities and how they work and government, how it functions and if it's functioning well. And when I graduated from Stanford and moved to LA, I saw that there were murals everywhere. And I realized I had studied mural making and I was really intrigued by these giant works of art. And I ended up applying and getting a grant to do a mural in Santa Monica. And I really fell in love with the experience of being outside, talking to people, strangers about their lives, about politics, about their community. And it really reinforced for me that murals make art accessible in a way that galleries and museums never can because it's just right out on the street. And it resonates. They resonate with people in a deep, sort of profound way. And so I started doing one mural after the next. And I then got really sick. I'm from the East Coast. So when I got sick with lupus, I came back east uh, to Margate, New Jersey to get better. And then I was coming up to Philly for treatments and Philadelphia just had an election with our, a new, so there was a new mayor, uh, our first African-American mayor, and he had inherited this tremendous graffiti crisis. And he said he was going to deal with it through working with kids who were writing on walls. And I ended up applying to work there and they hired me to run a tiny little art program. And I think I was able to relate to the young people who were the graffiti writers, even though I'd never really met graffiti writers, uh, because they were so talented. They liked working outdoors. They were sort of mural-esque in their <laughs> being, right? They they were good wall hunters. They they loved art. So the weather didn't didn't phase them. So we started doing art programs all over the city, but we also started doing murals. And then working in Philadelphia was a whole different experience from Los Angeles, because here we have block captains and community leaders and activists and organizers. And we were able to tap into this community spirit and start to work with people in a highly collaborative way so that the work really became co-created. And it was a sort of a vision designed by the artists and the community where people felt they had a real stake in the process. And that was awesome and inspiring. And then for 10 years, I worked at the Anti-Graffiti Network, working with young people, working with people in the community, and working with these fabulous young people who had so much talent that had just gone unrecognized. But Anti-Graffiti was able to employ them. Literally, we worked, I don't know, 20,000 young people over the years. It was amazing. And then anti-graffiti closed down. My former boss died. And I went to the, there was a new mayor and I went to him and I asked if he would create a community-based public art program. And he agreed. That's Ed Rendell, who became our oh, governor. Yes. 
And he said, yes, and come up with a name for yourselves. We were just a little group, just five of us. And we said the mural arts program. And he goes, okay, Jane Golden, you're in charge. But I wasn't like in charge of much. But we were suddenly at the Department of Recreation, a pro art program. We had this new name. We opened our doors to all artists. And in some way, we never looked back. And we've just been riding this wave ever since that, you know, just really mining that incredible, extraordinary power of art. Now, where did your support come from financially for mural arts? Philadelphia? Good question. So at first, it was totally funded by the city. So there were just a few of us. I think we were a group of five. And it was me. It was like the person I sort of co-directed with, Dietrich Adonis, who was a, a, had been a teacher in the school district and left that to work at Anti-Graffiti, and a couple of the former graffiti writers who became artists on our team. And so we were all funded by the city. And it was small. It was a very modest uh, amount of money. And then I realized that the a head of the Department of Recreation was raising private money to open up swimming pools. And I asked him whether we could do this, not really having an idea how I was going to do this, but he said yes. And then uh, I had just gone through a leadership program. So I was talking to some of my colleagues and they said, well, you better form a board and a 501c3 because if you, and I got, I already sort of got this, that if, if people wrote a check to us and it went to the city of Philadelphia, it would circle earth. It would be like existential because you'd never get it back because it would go to the general fund. Because I was like, where's that $5,000 for the zoo? And it's like, I'm never seeing it. So I did form a board. I asked all these people to help me. Like a whole, it was a big village and everybody was so agreeable and nice. And we got the board, we got a 501c3, we started raising little bits of money. And every time we raised some money, I'd go back to my boss and ask if he would match it. And he was like, well, it doesn't really work that way. But eventually it actually did work that way. And we were able to leverage private dollars with city dollars. And eventually what happened is it flipped that the nonprofit became much bigger than the city entity. So if you look at us today, the city part is 30, 35%. And the larger part is foundations, corporations, individuals, and some earned income. So, but it's nice. It's, you know, we work well with the city. There are allies. We love them. Uh, 10 of us out of almost 60 are city employees. Mm. So, you know, and, and I think we've been able to really mine that connection and put that to work on behalf of citizens around the city. And all those years we've now worked for, we're in mayor number six. And every mayor, we've been able to do an analysis of where the assets, where our allies, how do we make the most of this? How do we become more visionary? How do we do more on behalf of citizens? And that's been a really extraordinary experience. In some way, you know, I used to be a painter. I used to paint murals. And when I stopped painting, like this is way, way a long time ago, it was super sad. Only I realized that running this program was like a creative endeavor and that I was an okay painter, but I could support great painters. What what kind of budget do you have for mural arts, Philadelphia? Uh, it's about an, an $18 million budget. Oh, wow. Yes. I, I wince when I say that. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> I'm, 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 it doesn't feel like it. At all. <laughs> Where does the money go to besides obviously supplies? Well, well this is the thing. So inflation has hit everyone and cost of doing public art has, to has really gone up. So it's scaffolding, lifts, supplies, it's artists, it's artist assistants. We pay artists well and we have tons of assistance. We, we work with hundreds of artists every year. 
And then a lot of the money goes, it's very restricted. So you have money for our criminal justice work. That's where you met Callie and Mark. And then we work, so in prisons with people coming home, it's a significant budget because again, people are getting paid, people have needs and we want to make sure we meet them. And then we have an art education program where we serve about 2,500 young people ranging in age between 11 and 18. We have a porch light program. That's our partnership with the Department of Behavioral Health, where we're working with people struggling with substance use, with housing insecurity. We work in new immigrant communities with veterans struggling with PTSD. We're doing a big project now on suicide prevention. I mean, it's really a fabulous division. And then we have community murals and then public art and civic engagement. And that's where we do big non-traditional work. We work with theater artists, photographers, writers, poets, you name it. And we have a restoration program and a tours program. And then we have a mural arts institute where we work with cities around the country and the world. Ah, overwhelming. It's just remarkable. What you, you know, over the 40 years that you've been at the helm, what are you most proud of? Well, first, just just so, so the ten years at Anti Graffiti, I wasn't in charge. So I, I'm very thankful to the former mayor Wilson Good and Tim Spencer who hired me, and they took a chance on me, and I learned everything. <laughs> and then in 1998, we became Mural Arts. So since I've been, I would say, what I've learned from, at Anti Graffiti and at Mural Arts is that art is pretty extraordinary, and that its impact is sort of endless because there's an impact on individuals, on communities, and by extension. Think about it. There's a huge impact on the civic life of our city as we drive around and there are murals everywhere. And there are murals that really resonate with the people who are here. And they resonate with people in our, like you heard from Callie, in that division, wherever we're working, because people feel they're part of the creation of it. And that's something I think that's extra special, that it's not work that is parachuted down from the sky. It's like, oh, it landed from Mars. No, no, no. <laughs> it's real. It's real collaboration. In fact, someone referred to it once as a social contract, because it's like we're making this like a bond between us that we're going to trust each other and work together and create something that is really meaningful and generative, that it will continue to give long after mural arts is gone. Um, that's and, and I've also, I think that I've learned that when it comes to really serious issues that cities face, that the role of art is really important. And so people should never discount that process. You know, I don't know why art is sort of pushed to the side, because if you center it, I think the sky is the limit. Right. Now, um, something was mentioned. It's a group called Art for Justice. Can you talk about that? Yeah, Art for Justice was started by Agnes Gund, and um, she had the foresight to sell a painting and generate a large amount of funding. And instead of just talking about the woes of the criminal legal system, she really invested this money, I think it was $100 million, <gasps> into working with policymakers and advocates and artists who had been impacted by the system. And through her work over, I think, six, seven years, she and her really quite extraordinary team, they funded sort of amazing programs and individuals across the United States who I think made significant change. They were they were probably, I mean, for sure doing good work before this, but these grants were catalytic, completely catalytic. And she, you know, I always talk about people who have this sixth sense who believe in things before it's real. Like she was able to see all this happen before it was like really happening. And her con her social conscious and her heart drove her to invest in ways that I had never seen those investments made before. It was pretty extraordinary. And for us, very life-changing as well. She sounds like a visionary. She's right? definitely a visionary. Right. And that's so important. 
Do you happen to have a favorite mural? I know that's there's so many. That's right? a tough one. I mean, <laughs> I think I have a range of them. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's one at Broaden Spring Garden called Common Threads by Meg Seligman, and that was painted in 98. I love that one because it's so magnificent, and I think it impacted people and how they see murals. There is a wonderful project we did with the men at the prison, the state prison victims, advocates, and victims called Healing Walls. And I think that is so impactful because it was so hard and everybody was like a naysayer and said, this project will never work. And in the end, I mean, it was really hard. It took a couple of years, but people really were able to talk to each other and relate to each other and see the humanity in each other, which was very, very inspiring. And then more recently, there's a work of art in Center City by Amy Sherald, who did Michelle Obama's portrait. And it's an eight story figure of a young woman of color. And she's looking out over the city in a most thoughtful way. And I just think it's a really wonderful message, what it says about young people. And we have a program for kids aging out of foster care. And I know the young woman and I know what this project meant to her. And I you know, and we took a lot of young people to Amy Sherald's studio so they could meet curators and artists who look like them. And I think that's really important. It's very meaningful. Kids in the in the public schools in Philadelphia, did they ever take a, a guided tour of some of the murals? Sometimes they do. Yeah, sometimes they do. I wish, you know, the problem is that it's so expensive. We're sort of on a mission to find funding to underwrite this because trolleys are like expensive and buses. And so we're trying to figure out ways that we could do that because I think I wish every school could have tours. Yeah, that would be phenomenal. Now, how does restorative justice tie in with our justice system and, and mural arts? Is there a link between Yes. Well, first of all, we have our reentry program called the Guild and then an advanced component called the Recru. So we're getting people from the DA's office, from probation, from the county jail. So there's definitely like this line. There's a through line from where people are to coming to us, to having a really positive experience and lots of opportunities and pay. And what we're doing in some way, it's almost like we're a pre-apprenticeship program because we're also, we're paying people. We're also preparing them for a job, right? Because I think that people think after someone is traumatized or been incarcerated, that they come home and just like magic, things are going to work out without much intervention. And that's just naive and wrong and unfair, quite frankly. So we try to do everything we can to provide a range of programs and skills building and the opportunity to work in public space, which means that people are getting this good feedback all the time. That's beautiful. Thank you. That's great. So the loop that's playing in someone's head that says, my life is is just bad, you know, like people who are depressed and traumatized starts to reverse itself because they're involved in this work that really matters and matters to people all over the city. So as people change internally, they're changing the built environment of the city. That's a really powerful connection. And then we have an artisan residency program in the DA's office, and it's important, you know, for people to know what a district attorney does. So that's been a nice project. And then we have this fellowship program called Reimagining Reentry for artists who are, you know, at a certain stage in their career, but they've been on the inside and haven't had opportunities, certainly not opportunities to work in public space. And this provides them with that very unusual and important opportunity to give back to have your voice heard, and to have your talent on display in public. Right. 
you have become a model for so many other cities. What other cities have been inspired by what you've done in Philadelphia in terms of the uh, public art? Well, we were just in Detroit not too long ago, and they're competing with us. And their their head of arts and culture says it all the time. So that's good. So Detroit, Memphis, San Jose, Austin, Portland, Chicago. We had a team just was in Athens, Greece. Someone reminded me yesterday that we were, this is 18 years ago, we were invited by the Ford Foundation to go to Hanoi, and we worked with a team of artists and journalists to create a three-mile-long, all-ceramic mural about the thousand-year history of Hanoi. And if you Google it, it's like a tourist attraction. So it's really great. And um, yeah, so we've we've worked many places, and that's very, you know, it's not like we want to replicate ourselves. It's more about a knowledge exchange. We learn from cities, they learn from us. And for cities that are really hungry to think, how do you merge the public and private sector together? And how do you use art to deal with some problem that we're trying to solve? Now, a question, how did you begin to connect the work of mural arts and the prison system? I, I You know, that might be strange for some of our listeners. What's the connection there? Well, I think that When we were the Anti-Graffiti Network, a lot of young people that we worked with were sort of skirting the edge of the criminal legal system. You know, some were in detention. I mean, they were younger, but you could see how the streets were pretty seductive and it was a thin line they were walking between being in the world and not. And so when we became Mural Arts, we started working with kids everywhere, working at rec centers, working with doing larger murals. And at the time we started working in the prison, there was a new mayor, uh, John Street, and his managing director believed in an integrated model of government. So she brought all the social services departments together, but she also included mural arts in that because she was a big fan of our work. And she really empowered these other departments to start working with us. So we started working with the Department of Human Services, Department of Behavioral Health, and the Department of Prisons. So we started working in the county jail, bringing art there. And then I got a call from the state prison at Graterford, and they asked if I would just come out and give a talk. And I went out and I gave a talk and then the men and the art therapist invited us back to do a mural in the auditorium. And we were pretty, I mean, it was far and I felt like, oh yeah, we'll just do one project and leave. But the men were quite captivating Mm. and made a real case for why we should stay. That was in 2002 and we're still Mm. working there to this day. So it's really, really, I mean, I think what it shows is that for all your listeners out there who believe in what art can do to not be sort of shy about sort of just putting yourself out there and doing work that you think matters and reaching out to commissioners, to deputy mayors, to mayors, to, you know, people running big departments and talking to them about the role of art. Because I never take this for granted that it was unusual what happened in Philly under those mayors, those early mayors, when they opened the door for us, because you can have all the good ideas in the world. If the people at the top of the food chain don't open the door, it's really hard to go in sometimes. So you can try to open it, but use your influence as an artist and use us as a model that when you do open that door crack for art, like it pays dividends. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. Well, we are almost out of time that we've spent with you, Jane, and I encourage people to certainly go to the website, which is muralarts.org. And I also wanted to put a little personal note in about 10 years ago, my late husband and I 
I must have read about the murals and we came down from upstate New York and I just loved walking around and looking at the beautiful murals. So it's just wonderful. I, I love the, the idea that the art is so accessible to everybody. You don't have to go inside a museum. It's right no. there for, for your pleasure and joy. So thank you so very much for being on the podcast today. The next time we will be meeting two people on your staff, Callie Silverman and Mark Strandquist, to tell us more about the work that you have been doing for so many decades. So, oh well, thank you for having me. And anybody, you know, anyone who's listening, come on, come to Philly, come yeah, on a mural come. tour. You can go on a walking tour, trolley tour, bicycle tour. You know, what's so inspiring is that there's so much impact on individuals too. Like we've seen how art is really transformative. We tend to judge a lot in our society instead of seeing the glass half full and all the mm. potential that's out there. And that can be recognized through art. That's true. That's very, very true. Thank you also to my producer, Jordan Moore, for doing the podcast with us and the Innocence Project of Florida for my continued sponsorship on the show. Yay. Thank you all, and good to see you, and join us next time on Pursuing Justice. Bye. Thank you.